Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Okay, I'm so excited about today's message. And um, I want to I wanna begin by telling you a story. So I'm, I met this lady who does... Um, echocardiograms uh, for a living, and she literally will, will, she spends all day looking at people's hearts, and I was like, man, what an interesting um, job you have. You're literally looking at people's hearts all day long, you know, just like God. How many know God is always looking at our hearts, right? How many know the Lord sees what's in our hearts? And the purpose of this echocardiogram is to see the condition of your heart. And I was like, man, what an interesting job. I said, I work uh, trying to help the heart too, you know, but in a different way. And, and she says, you know what's so interesting is like I had a, a man um, on the table. I was doing the echocardiogram and they put this thing on your heart and then it comes on the screen and you see the heart. Literally, they're, they're videotaping it, but how it's beating, the chambers, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, she said, and his 10-year-old son was, was in the room. And so his son comes up, and he's looking at the screen, looking at his dad's heart beating. And he says, how could it be that that right there is responsible for love? It's like, yo, this kid was deep, right? So, <laughs> so she turns to him, and she says, well... It's because your heart and your brain, they work together. And when your heart and your brain are working together, that is kind of where we live. You realize that your life is experienced between here and here. So when we talk about learn, live, and give, what are we talking about, right? We're talking about your heart and your brain together. This is where we live. So your growth, your transformation in this coming year, it all happens between here and here. So, for example, you could be in a, in a room and your heart, your heart and your brain are experiencing something in a very unique way. And there could be five other people in the room and their heart and brain is taking it in differently. And the truth of the matter is, is this is where we live. So when we talk about learn, live, and give, you live right here. And last week we talked about live. Last week we talked about the fact that God wants his word to be like a mirror and a filter because that mirror and filter affects us in here and determines the quality of life that we live. Your life is determined by the quality of what's happening between here and here. How many know that to be true? And so last week we talked about how God wants to bring a new awareness and a new practice on the learn, live, give journey. How do you learn? You get a new awareness, you learn a new awareness, and then you start to live out new 
practices. Today, we're actually going a little bit deeper. And today, we're going to be looking at some verses that speak to the fact, and please listen closely, right? That speak to the fact that if Jesus doesn't do a work in us, we can actually get stuck. You can be a Christian and stay stuck. You can listen to sermons and stay stuck. You can, you can uh, uh, um, I, I hate to say this, but you could even read the Bible at times and be stuck. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that Jesus has to work in us. When you read the Bible, it's not information. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to quicken that moment so that we can actually learn, live, and give. And here's what the, what the scripture says about it. Romans chapter 12, beginning uh, verse 2, watch this. It says, do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world. Why do you have to learn, live, and give? Is because there are things that we need to put away and get out of our minds and in our hearts. It says, do not conform yourselves to the standard of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. What is the work? What are we talking about today, watching online? We're talking about the work that Jesus wants to do inside of us that affects between here and here. This is the real deal of Christianity. Okay, and let me tell you something. No matter where you've been, no matter what state you find yourself in today, when you get the Holy Spirit working in here and in here, things start to change dramatically. How many believe that today? Hallelujah. So watch, it says, then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and pleasing and per, uh, pleasing to him and is perfect. In other words, what is God's ideal? Where does God want you today and every day as you're living out this life until you see God face to face? What is that he wants? He wants you and I to be in the good, in the pleasing, and in the perfect. Where should your heart and mind be? So here's a quick question. If, if we took a Holy Ghost echocardiogram, if the Lord was looking at your heart, here's a great question. Are you good today? Are you good? You know, like when someone says, hey, how are you doing? You say, I'm good. What do you mean by you're good? Does it mean that, look, I'm really good in my skin because I'm close to Jesus. I'm happy in Jesus. I'm strong in Jesus. Life may not be perfect around me, but me, I'm good. Anybody ever been to that place where you're like, yo, I'm good. But you're good because of Jesus. That's where God wants you to be. He wants you to be good in your heart and in your minds and your feelings and your thoughts. You can be good even though the world is not always good. Your life, doesn't, your life will not be perfect until you get to heaven, but you can be good. So good question is, are you good? Number two, are you in this state where you're like pleased? You've got the joy of the Lord. You've got the peace of of God because you're so close to God that even though, again, this life is not always pleasing. 
But how many know the presence of God, the nearness of God is always pleasing? You see, you, God doesn't want your state of being to be constantly affected by the state of this world. That's what makes Christianity different from all others. It's because it's not just us, it's Christ in us, affecting us. And so perfect, like, you know, life is not perfect, but you're like, how are you doing? Say, man, it's like, it's so good because I know I'm in the perfect will of God. So do I have struggles? Yes, but I think that God wants me to fight this fight. The Bible says fight the good fight. Some people are like, I want everything to be so nice and easy. And God's like, stop that. I want you to be strong. I want you to be powerful. Hallelujah. You're a soldier of God and you can take ground for me. And you're like, yeah, I'm ready to fight. This is good. These are, they, I'm ready to fight this battle for God. It's just, it's good. It's perfect. You know, even though life is not perfect. And so this is the, the, the key with this passage of scripture is that there is a work that God has to do and the work is in our mind. In another translation, it says, do not conform any longer to the patterns instead of standards, it says patterns of this world. And what this is saying, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We all have thought patterns. Where do we get thought patterns from? The Bible. There wasn't a psychologist who thought that up. Okay, the Bible, thousands and thousands of years ago, thought about, uh, explained to us that we have thought patterns. And those thought patterns are powerful. And Jesus, sometimes, he has to do a work on those thought patterns. Those thought, thought patterns are very much like a train station, like the blue line or, or the red line. And it stops at certain places. When you get on that train, it stops at certain Places you don't realize how heavy and weighty your thought life is in your life. So it turns out we did a little research that train tracks are 155 pounds per foot. So I want you to think of one side of that train track. One foot on one side is 155 pounds. Two feet is 310 pounds. Four feet, 465 pounds. Okay, uh, three feet, 465. Four feet is 620 pounds. So four feet of train, train tracks is 1,240 pounds. Why? It's because of all the weight that it has to hold up. So here's what you and I have to understand. Your thought life holds up the entire weight of your life. So if you have good thoughts, that's great. But what if you don't? You understand? Because here's what it is. How many know when you get on the red line, you go to red line stops? You may want to go to blue line destinations, but if you're on the red line, guess where you're going? That's the argument that Jesus is making. And what I want to do for a second is give you some examples. The, uh, the introduction today is long, but it's because I need to paint a picture for you to get aggressive about the Lord working in this space. 
Okay, so let me give you a couple of examples. All of us are influenced by all of these different kind of thoughts. Could you put that slide up for me? So some people are influenced by ambition. Some people are affected. These are just random. There's like, you know, a hundred more. But some people are affected by legalism. Let's take legalism for a minute. Okay, so legalism is a brand of Christianity Okay, where people are beaten over the head with the law and with rules and regulations. And they think that rules, 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 uh, that's the thing that's going to make you godly. But the problem is, is nobody can keep the rules. That's why Jesus came. So you can tell people all you want. You've got to look a certain way on the outside. And churches are built on this. Okay, and I'm not criticizing other churches, but I do need to expose false teaching. All right, let me tell you something. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can make us godly. We need Christ in us, the hope of glory, and no rule will keep you. I'll never forget, I went to this, we were looking for a building, uh, you know, more than 10 years ago. We we're looking for a building. And it turns out this was a pretty legalistic church. Here's how I know, how, know why. It's because when we walked in, I was looking at the room, and the lead pastor was there. He wasn't very friendly. And he had an assistant, right? And so I came and I stepped up here to, like, look, so to speak, at the whole sanctuary from the, where the pulpit would be. And when I stand there, he tells this guy. And the guy comes over and says, hey, you can't stand in the pulpit here. It's sacred. It's holy, okay? How many know that piece of wood is not holy? Are you kidding me? That's not holy. This is a piece of wood. You understand? But you know what? God can make your heart holy. God can make your life holy. And if you're holy, chances are you're going to be loving because God is love, right? So you could keep the rules outside and not even be loving. See, that's legalism. And let me tell you something. It confuses kids, and it confuses people, and then their whole life they're struggling with the grace of God. They, they struggle with the fact that God is rich in mercy. They struggle with the fact that the beauty of the gospel is this, on your worst day. When you accept Jesus on your worst day, you are fully accepted. Anybody thankful? Hallelujah. Now, is this making an excuse so that we could just run out and sin? No, because when you really love God and really receive the love of God, you stop loving the things of this world. And it's the power of that love and the Holy Spirit that makes you godly, nothing else. You understand? And so, so many, t listen, listen, the, the, the New Testament proves this. There's a dark side to every legalist. Because if all you do is stump the power of the law, in the background, there's some shady stuff going on. We have to exalt the grace of God. Because the Holy Spirit is the only one who can change us from the inside out. You see? Such a tricky thing. But it's real. And someone, when they're shaped by that, it affects their life. Right? So let's take legalism. Let's take, uh, let's take patriotism. Okay, so look, our Christianity should guide our patriotism. But when your patriotism 
informs or guides or shapes your Christianity, you're off. I'm going to say that one more time so that you could say amen. You see, because a lot of people, you put your politics above the word of God. And let me tell you something, you're off. Can I say that? Do I have permission to say that's off? How many know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him? I, I see some people going, I don't, I'm trying to clap, but I can't. Well, we're going to get to that. Because you should never be affected by anything but the word of God. And the word of God covers it all. That's why we're saying you are worthy of it all. But the truth of the matter is we have these things. You know, we talked about this, this in, uh, uh, on Tuesday. We talked about the spirit of anti-authority, which absolutely marks the United States of America. We so, like when I, I didn't watch the State of the Union, but when I heard about the way our leaders, the undignified, the classless way that our leaders were acting, it is reflective of the fact that if we don't agree with someone, we don't care who put them there. You see, oh, he's messing with stuff today. <laughs> you understand? You you and I, when we get a spirit that's anti-authority, what we're doing is we're shutting ourselves off to the government of God. The government of God is powerful. We got to teach our kids that authority is good. Okay? Not all authority is perfect and good, but authority is good. And governmental structures are created by God. How many know marriage between a man and a woman, a dad and a mom? How many know that is good? It was created by the Most High God. So these are the things that create so much disruption for people because if you believe the wrong things, you're going to live the wrong way. Let me give you the last one and then I'll, I'll stop here. Okay? Or I'll move on, but I'm going to stop with the examples. So let's take, let's go way back for a moment and say there's a man. When he was a kid, um, there's a lot of, lot of truth in this story. Okay, it's not exact, but there's a lot of truth in it. So there's a man who, well, he was a little boy. His dad used to abuse his mom, okay? And when he was a little boy, he felt so weak because his dad was so big, he couldn't protect his mom, okay? This happened many times. And as he was growing up, at a certain point as he got older, he started to get the thoughts, if I ever have a daughter, my daughter will never, ever, ever be dependent on a man and be under a man like that. Okay, never. So he grows up, gets married, has a daughter, beautiful little girl. And guess what he starts to do? He'll say, you never trust a man. And you will always be independent. And you got to work. You know why you got to get, get an education? It's so that you won't be dependent on a man. And he starts to feed her this stuff, left and right. But then they go to church. She gives her heart to the Lord. She meets a godly man. And she gets married. And it's like happy, you know, they make a covenant before God. They go to premarital counseling. But see, even though they go to premarital counseling and get this teaching, there are tracks in her brain. 
So now moments come when, when she's supposed to like trust him and uh, hey, let's, let's join our bank accounts and, and just stuff that normal people when they're married. Say, no, 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 you can't, you can't, that's your money, that's my money. I won't share, I won't trust you. And all of a sudden, these thoughts are overwhelming her to the point that she can never be close to her husband. Why? It's because there's a thought pattern that was developed, you know. And so, so, you know, I ain't trusting no man. I can do bad all by myself and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Destructive. How many know, listen, when you're a Christian and a man meets God, doesn't matter what your background, you meet, you meet God as a man of God, you meet God as a woman of God, you start this journey that is supposed to bring blessing and victory and prosperity and kingdom advancement. The children of the righteous will be mighty in the land. I mean, think about what God wants to start through our lives, through our marriages. Some people are like, I'll never get married. Think about how people don't want to get married now. Okay, I'm going too long. Let's keep going here. <laughs> so, last week we talked about those filters. And we talked about things that shape us. Now, according to this passage of, of, of Scripture, what does God want for us? You know, what is it that, 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 that he really desires right? He, he, he doesn't want us to live in, in rejection and ambition. Look at what the Bible says. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, everybody read this with me. Ready? Think about such things. So for God wants us to be in the good and the pleasing and the perfect. God wants our minds to be full of things that are praiseworthy and excellent and admirable and lovely and pure. You understand? God wants to do this work. Jesus wants to do this work inside of us. And we need him to do this. We have to face the fact that Jesus, if you're going to really be on God's learn, live, and give journey for your life, Okay, Jesus has to do the work of renewing our minds. Okay? Like, and renewal in some cases is almost like a renovation rehab. You see that house? That house is a gut rehab. They tore everything out and they put everything in new. Anybody feel like you, your, your brain needs to be rehabbed by Jesus? That's true. It's true. And so what I want to do, what I want to do is before we unpack what that work really looks like, before we do that, I want to pray. Because this is a touchy subject. You start talking about things that affect where people, I, I, you know, I'm trying to joke about some of it, but the truth of the matter is this stuff is deep. If your father was abusive, this stuff is deep. If you have trauma in your life, if, if you have a lot of reasons, legitimate reasons not to trust men, if you have legitimate reasons not to trust authority, these things are deep and they're real, okay? But that doesn't mean that they're healthy. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Anybody ready for his way, his truth, his life? Come on, put your hands together if you feel that. 
So come on, lift your hands with me and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word that promises that you want to transform us from the inside out. You want to set us free, God, where we really live, which is in our head and in our hearts, in our spirits. And God, I pray that you would take the next few moments, Lord, and that you would, first of all, open up every heart here. God, despite our past, despite our pains, despite pressures, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would open up our heart. I pray that you would shine your Shekinah glory and light and that you would expose every thought today by your glorious, mighty power. Expose every thought, God, and use, oh God, your word and use the, and, let, and may the power of the Holy Spirit work inside of us because you said wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we claim freedom. We claim a new level of freedom, oh God. We claim a year where we step into your wonderful, oh God. As you do this work in our minds, every woman, every man, young and old, we invite you to do it. And we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, let's clap to Jesus some more. Hallelujah. So, so listen, the reason why people get stuck is because they don't fully invite this work of renewal and renovation. So the title of my message today is Live Part 3 because we're on the third one, right? And it's Jesus Rebuilds Our Minds, Okay. Jesus rebuilds our mind. You're not living the abundant life if Jesus is not working in your mind. Okay? As a man thinketh, so is he. You and I are the sum total of our thoughts. By the way, listen, if you're one of those people that you live with constant self-criticism, okay? Like you criticize yourself. This message is meant to deal with that voice. Okay, because God doesn't want you to put yourself down. And in a moment, I'm going to show you that it's not you, even though you think it's you. It's really the enemy of your soul. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what? The enemy is trying to destroy certain people thought by thought. Thought by thought. So the, the verses I'm going to read now are verses that speak to what Jesus does when he rebuilds our minds. Okay, so let's move through this uh, uh, very quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to, read these two words with me, ready? Demolish strongholds. Okay, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's part one. Part two, and we, come on, say these four words with me. What do we do? We 
take captive every thought. So watch this. We need to, in some cases, demolish strongholds by the divine power of the Spirit of God. And then in other cases, we have to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When God is working in your thought life, which is also your heart life, one of the things that the Holy Spirit has to do and you have to be aware of and you have to invite and say, come on, God, and work inside of me is you're saying, Lord, if there is a stronghold inside of me, I want you to tear it down. And if there are demonic suggestions coming at me, I want you to help me to take those thoughts captive. Okay? So this is the work that God wants to do. So how do we apply this truth? Number one, old arguments must be torn down. Old arguments must be torn down. A stronghold is an argument that started small and then it became big, 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 and it got to the point that it made us slaves. Okay, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a demonic suggestion that becomes as strong as the truth in your heart. So there's some of us, we could believe something today. For example, let's take this young lady. This lady believed that even when you marry in Christ, and even if you meet a great man of God who loves you and wants to serve you, you don't trust him. Okay, let me tell you something. That's from the devil. That's not from Jesus. That's from the pit of hell. That's meant to destroy that marriage. So here she has this stronghold that, that even though she's reading her Bible, until that stronghold is torn down and still she starts to receive by the power of the Holy Spirit, no, if you can trust him and you can trust me, I brought him into your life. Yes, there are marriages that are struggle, but goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many believe the word of God is true? Hallelujah. Absolutely. Don't believe that it's wrong and ugly for everybody. Not when you are a child of God. So the thing is, is sometimes a demonic suggestion, which starts as a foothold, it grows to the place that it actually becomes as strong as the truth. And over the years, I've seen this. You're talking to someone. You can tell them the Bible. You show it to them in the word. You quote it to them. And they say, yes, but no. So if that's the way you are, you say, yes, but no, you have a stronghold. And if you can't believe what the word of God is saying to your life, for your life. If you like, yeah, that's great for other people, or yeah, oh yeah, but for me, no, that's a stronghold. And you know what? That's not God's will. And God wants to shatter that. And it says in the book of Jeremiah that his word is like a hammer that breaks the rock and a fire that burns the chaff. And God wants to send his spirit to break those fearful strongholds, those mountains inside of us. God can shatter them so that we can walk in the freedom of God. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. How many believe that today? He wants to set you free. You don't have to give in to the spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not of God. You don't have to live afraid. You have Christ with you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not going to be afraid. That's why in a few moments we're going to sing, Sound mine for a spirit of fear. A sound mind so I can think or see clearly. 
A sound mind, your spirit is near. A sound mind. How many know God wants you and I to have a sound mind? How many want a sound mind, a healthy mind, a holy mind? So these, a stronghold, it becomes like this mountain in your mind that causes you to reject it. I'm gonna give you one more example. We're almost done, but I'm gonna give you another, well, now stick with me. (laughs) One more example from the Bible. So there were these two kings, Saul and David. Saul was the first king of Israel. God chose him, found him, anointed him. Okay, the spirit of God came upon him. He prophesied, he did all of these great things. He was chosen by God. But there was something inside of Saul that he didn't have it in his heart to reciprocate his relationship with God. God did things for him, and all he could think about is what the people thought about him. Okay? And that became his downfall because his primary paradigm for life was all about image. Okay? Now, one of the reasons why I've chosen this is that I believe that image is one of the great strongholds of our day. When you look at Instagram and when you look at Facebook and when you look at how much energy we put into how we look to people and how much we worry about how we look to people instead of worrying about how we look to God, how many know how you look to God is what counts? And if you're good with God, it's all good. Hallelujah. How many know it's all good? Pleasing the Lord is what counts. You'll be free. You'll be happy. You'll be joyful. If you just have a good relationship with God, he'll take care of you. He'll provide for you. He'll bless you. He won't cheat you. But you don't have to worry about what everybody thinks. You don't have to worry about that. But let's look at what happened. So there's King Saul. He's controlled by, by image. Do we have that slide? So he's controlled by image, even though he's chosen by God. All he could think about is, like I remember a kid said to me, every time I walk in the room, the only thing I could think about is what people are thinking about me, okay? How many know people wake up in the morning and they are not even thinking about you or me? <laughs> but you could get to the place that that's all you think about. You know, every room you walk into, what are, what are people thinking about me? So image. So here's what happens. So, and by the way, I, like this is kind of a composite. I'm surmising this is not ex- exact, but, but, but follow this train track with me. Follow the stops on, on, on the, the red line in Saul's mind. Okay, so he starts, everything is image, image, image. Meanwhile, he's been chosen by Jesus. Right? Wait, image, image, image. So then, so then David comes along, kills Goliath. People are celebrating David. And he, what does he do? He goes from image to comparison. He's like, well, I don't have what David has. You know, David killed Goliath and I was here first and I didn't kill Goliath. And now, oh my goodness, the people, next line, next stop. This is what happens in all of our minds. Next stop, jealousy. People love David more than they love me. Let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than jealousy. The Bible talks about that. A jealous person, they see things, they hear things, like it's just insane what's going on. You're like, what are you talking about? That's not here. But that for them, it's real. 
spirit of jealousy. So watch, spirit of jealousy hits him. And guess what? When people are jealous like that, right? You ever wonder why someone is so mean to you at work and you're like, we're supposed to work together. I try to do nice stuff. I get them coffee. I get them tea. I do this. They're just so mean and that sometimes it's just jealousy. So look, when people, they, they go from image to comparison to jealousy, what happens? They get into a state of self-protection. Instead of Jesus is my protector, they have to protect themselves. I have to get rid of David. And now things start getting crazy. So now he starts to go after David. David never did anything wrong to him. He's trying to kill David all the time. And then he went from self-protection to self-deception. David's after my throne. I got to protect the throne, which you don't. Can I tell you something? Whatever you have, right? If Jesus gave it to you, how many know Jesus will keep it for you? Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So watch. So then, this David's after the throne. And then he got to the place where he wants, everyone's after me. Let me tell you why I came to this conclusion. There comes a point where David went to a priest and got some bread for his guys. And when he, when he gets some bread for his guys, uh, he feeds them. But somebody says to Saul, Saul, David went to that temple, you know, and he got some bread. Saul goes there. Like the, the priest had no idea. He goes there. He not only killed that priest, he killed all of the priests. It's almost the equivalent of killing all the pastors of the church. You know why? Everyone's after me. They didn't even know what was going on, but that's what jealousy will do. You see, they, they had no idea, but now he's like, he's like, everyone's after me. I can't trust anyone. You live like that? In Spanish, there's a saying, mal pensado. Malpensado is someone who everyone you see, everything you hear, you're always thinking the worst. You know? I hear, I hear my mom and dad, no se un malpensado, like don't be, a, don't be so negative all the time. Stop thinking so bad about everyone around you. You know, everybody's not after you. But that happens to people. And people are thinking like that. And you know what? You don't have a sound mind. Not the mind that God wants you to have. The Bible says we can have the mind of Christ. Anybody here want the mind of Christ? Hallelujah. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. This is powerful. This is so powerful. And he gets to the point. You know how Saul ended his life? The guy chosen by, he's just a kid, chosen by God, anointed by God before everyone. All of these possibilities. He ended up in witchcraft seeking advice from the dead instead of from his heavenly father. Going to Espiritismo and all of this kind of spiritualism and, and he died an ugly death and so did his son and his son was a great man of God but because his son was linked to him. Think about people who even our families are torn down because we're not right in our minds. Happened to Gideon. You understand? But let me tell you something. This year, God wants to do his wonderful for you. For you and your children and your children's children. How many believe that? God wants to do the wonderful. I'm telling you online, he wants to do the wonderful. He says, your too hard is my too wonderful. Just believe me. Open up your heart to me. Don't give in to that. But in some cases, the stronghold must be torn down. By the way, by the way, strongholds and traumas and trauma run together. I'm going to show you this in a moment. 
But sometimes your whole life is shaped by something real and true, but horrible that happened in your past. And I want to suggest that Jesus wants you to invite him even into the negative effects of the past. Some people, we get disappointed with God. We say, this happened to me, so God's not faithful. And that's not true. People are unfaithful, but God is faithful. Listen, life is difficult, but God is faithful. In this life, we have many troubles, but God is always faithful. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. And he makes all things beautiful in his time. We have to open up our heart to it. We have to open up our hearts to the fact that he gets us in these different stages of life with different experiences, but he still wants to take us into freedom and blessing. So look, old arguments have to be torn down. And I'll close with this. New arguments must be taken captive. What that means is that look, we're going to pray in a moment. And when we're done praying, we're going to believe God to tear down entrenched arguments. But that doesn't mean that when you leave here, the enemy of your soul is going to try to come and get you to misbelieve God again. Mistrust God. Misbelief. Mistrust God again. You understand? And when that happens, you have to take that thought captive. You have to take demonic suggestions. Two things that the Bible, two ways that Jesus wants to work in your heart, your life, my heart, my life in this coming year. Okay, number one, if there's a stronghold, he wants to tear it down. But also throughout the day, he wants us to take thoughts captive. You know what? The, the word of God is a filter so that it will filter the filth. So you have the word of God, you read the Bible, you fill yourself with the word of God, and then demonic suggestions come, and the word inside of you says, I reject that. I resist that. That's not of God. That's not true. I was, I was, my daughter was telling me that my grandson James was reading something about evolution, and, and he was just doing his homework. He's six. I don't know what in the world they were you know? And he's like, this is not true. I was like, come on, son. That's what I'm talking about. But see, but over time, we have to pray because what about when he's a teenager and the peer pressure is so strong? You understand? We got to keep building strong minds. And so, but it's, it's all by teaching. You got to take that captive thought thought captive. You got to take that thought captive. And I'm going to close with this so that you could understand there is a spectrum of satanic suggestion. Okay. So the Bible talks about footholds and you've, when it comes to little thoughts that, that watch this. So there's little thoughts that the devil wants to come and go like this and grab a hold of this or grab a hold of this 
and try to walk, try to walk, go ahead, try to walk. And it's like, nope, nope. And you know what? You might be trying to work out your life this week, but there's a thought that you keep receiving that is kind of like this and holding on. And what you need to do is say, in the name of Jesus, get off of me, devil. I resist that in the name of Jesus. And that's happening to your mind, and it's happening to your mind. And let me tell you something. If it's not God, it's not good. And if it's not good, reject it. Hallelujah. Reject it. And so look, you have footholds, and some people are living with footholds because you keep accepting the wrong things. Well, the world says this, and the universities say this, and uh, my, my friends say this, whatever it is. Right? If I don't do this, I got, I, I'll lose my job. Baloney. That's baloney. In fact, this week, one more example, and we'll close. But somebody in our church left a job. Right? They left a job. God has been doing such a great work in this man's life. And he helped to start a company, but he left the job because they got so successful that they started to like become groupies of their own success. And they start doing things and living in certain ways. He's like, I didn't, I didn't buy it. I don't want this. This is not what I want. This is not from, not for my family. And he, he got a different offer and he took a different job because he says, these values don't line up with who I am. And if you're like, well, I got to be worldly like everyone else. Otherwise, I'm not going to be taken care of. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God is with you and he will bless you and prosper you. Come on, put your hands together and say, yes, Lord. have to compromise. So look, there are footholds and then there are strongholds. When you are living with footholds, you can function, but you're wrong. You're functionally wrong. But strongholds, okay, this is, this is kind of trauma sometimes. Trauma means that something so horrible happened to you that that experience affects you every day of your life and it closes you to God's truth for you. So we've been praying. We've been praying that people who have trauma here that the Holy Spirit would reach that moment when you were a child, would reach that moment where you started to believe something about God that wasn't true. What happened is real and what happened is true, but what happened doesn't have to dictate every single moment of your future. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Jesus died and rose from the dead so that we would be freed from the traumatic experiences of our lives. The Holy Spirit is strong enough to set you free from that. The Holy Spirit is strong enough. We aren't strong enough. See, and so God wants to break that kind of closed disposition. He wants to break it by his mighty power. And look, it's the Holy Spirit. We, we, our God is Father, Son, Spirit, three in one. Okay, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he rose from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the Father, he came down again. And if you've accepted Jesus in your heart, he lives inside of your heart. You understand? But how? By the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit is the, is, the, is the one who's working on the earth. The Holy Spirit is the one who wants to renew your mind. He wants to quicken the word. He wants to shine his light on things that you can't see. How many believe that there are strongholds that we can't see that he can expose right here and right now? He can shine his light so that we could say, I want you to tear that down, God. That's what separates Christianity. All the religions, we are trying, trying, trying. But as Christians, the Spirit of God comes and helps us. The Spirit of God comes and touches us and heals us and renews us and frees us. We just ask. We just come and say, God, I need you. And we say, God, I'm part of the reason why I'm here is because of stuff I did. But you are rich in mercy, God. You love to forgive. You love to cleanse, oh God. And Lord, even though I messed up, I'm ready to receive your love and your healing. I'm ready, God. I'm ready. I'm ready for you to touch me here and here. So all day long, I'll be into what's true, what's pure, what's lovely, what's excellent, what's praiseworthy. That's what God wants to do for his people. That's what he wants to do for us so that our children will experience a free atmosphere. Our friends will experience a person who's free in the Lord and say, I want some of that. But it takes the Spirit of God.